Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode number 66. Ryan, today, let's talk about things or things. You know, I was, I was, I was listening. Uh, I, I, hey, what are you looking at me funny for? I can say things. There was a, I don't think you can, Josh. Th- there was a rap song I used to listen to in, in the mid-90s. I think it was 1994. This Houston rapper named Big Mike. And he, uh, I remember Big Mike. Yeah, he, he had, uh, he had this, his, his biggest hit song was Having Things. And it, had, uh, it was him and Pimp C. From UGK, I'm sure you remember them. Should anyway, Sean, to put a little excerpt in there. Yeah, Sean, you could if you can find "Having Things" by <laughs> Big Mike, you can throw in a little excerpt. We've done a podcast in the past about stuff, right? Yes. And now we're doing a podcast about things. And of course, when a journalist asks us, well, what is minimalism exactly? We'll often say minimalism is the thing that gets us past the things so we can make room for life's most important things, which actually aren't things at all and so we're using that word things like three or it's like a quadruple entendre there uh (laughs) because we're using it differently right right and and so today we're going to talk about things and that might be like material possessions but things could also be like make room for the most important things that could mean the people or contribution or growth what are the important things in our life so we'll start off by by tackling the stuff because that's what what you and i did but then we can move forward I, i i was i was listening to um Chris D'Elia, he has a, p- a new podcast called Congratulations. And um, last night... Ba- a comedian, right? Yeah, he's a comedian. Yeah. He's really funny. He's like one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Uh, Bex and I saw him live in Los Angeles a few months ago. But we will... Tar- we're like an old-timey family because what we'll do, instead of like watching the TV or something, we'll, we'll gather around the radio, except it's a, a podcast it's, and it's really just on a, a speaker. I guess I need to get one of those like old transistor radios <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and that I can somehow pipe a podcast through so we can have the, the 1950s experience of the whole family gathering around the radio. But his, his podcast is not one you want to gather around with, with kids. But anyway, it's just, it's so funny. And like, just we'll, we'll sit around and crack it up. But he, last night, his new one just came out and he was talking about, isn't it funny how Drake all of a sudden just has a Jamaican accent in the middle of some songs. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about tings uh, <laughs> instead of things. That's so, great. so yeah, today we will uh, we'll be talking about tings. Tings or things. Yeah, let's... Uh, oh, before we, before we dive in... Now we have, I can't even say the word right. We, we have a bunch of questions, but before we dive in, Ryan, uh, a few things to, to talk about. One is we just announced all the, the, well, the first leg of our Less Is Now tour. Yes. So you and I, we're going to hit the road. We're going to 19 cities for that first leg. And uh, 
on the road. We're going to give a talk about minimalism. We're also going to record a live version of the Minimalist podcast. And uh, a lot of those shows will sell out pretty quickly. So if you want to find those first 19 cities and then a growing list of potential cities that we'll be coming to as well, you can find all that information over at theminimalists.com slash tour. And before we do anything else, those of you who are listening to this, pull out your phone right now, pause this podcast. And if you're in the iTunes app, go ahead and leave us a review. I'm, and let me talk to you about this right, real quick, Ryan. Um, why, why do we have so few? We, ha- we get millions of downloads every month. Mm-hmm. I'm certain because of that, some people are fine. If you find value in this podcast and you want us to keep doing it, I would really appreciate a five-star review. And the reason isn't so it can inflate my ego or Ryan's ego, uh, but it's so that it can reach more people. Your reviews help put, the, uh, with whatever the iTunes algorithms are, helps our podcast reach more people. And so if you want to help us out, one of the best ways you can do that is just pause this podcast right now. Go ahead. We'll wait. All right. Well, welcome back. Thanks for that five-star review. We really appreciate that. Um, but seriously, though, if uh, if you do find value in the podcast, it'll take you no time at all, like less than 30 seconds to go and, and rate that. And it's been my my New Year's resolution this year is to, reva- to rate, rate and review more things. And so... Yeah, I need ba- to do that more. I'm one of the people who do not rate stuff on the reg. Yeah, well, yeah, back to... Some- the only time I do is if it's like... A really crappy experience and oh, it, isn't that yeah. isn't that funny like how that's like what moves people the most i mean i think if you were to you know ask 100 people when do you leave reviews i i bet you a, a surprisingly large percentage of those people would be like oh if i get a really bad experience that's when i really am moved to leave a review i, I agree with that in fact i was listening to another probably my favorite comedian it's either him or chris they're tied for first anthony jesselnick you know Anthony Jesselnik, right? Oh yeah, yeah, the most offensive comedian I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Yes, I know who you're talking about. He's like a a, a more offensive Mitch Hedberg in a way, uh, but he 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 does it intentionally. He tries to offend people to get them to laugh, right? To get them outside their comfort zone. So, yeah. well, jokes by default are going to offend people. I think like there's always going to be jokes. someone offended by any joke. There's going to be someone offended. Yeah, I mean that that we have also reached a, a culture of recreational outrage as well. Right. So, so people love to be outraged just for the sake of because it's fun and their their friends are outraged right they have to be outraged all the cool kids are being outraged (laughs) i mean all the cool kids are outraged hey guys uh we're gonna go be outraged do you want to join us (laughs) no we hate outrageousness but anyway uh (laughs) anthony jesselnick was talking about uh, how one star reviews and five star Mm. reviews are the same for him it it, it lets him know that he's reaching people in some way so yeah if we you really hate us and and this (laughs) podcast adds no value to your life and and we just really tick you off, then go leave us a one-star review. But otherwise, if you do get value from this and, and you want to keep listening to podcasts, great. We, they're free. They're advertisement-free. You can, you can leave us a review. But I agree with you, Ryan. I, the, the thing that's helped me out a lot is, is Bex, my partner. Mm. We have been holding each other accountable, her holding more, me more accountable than, than me holding her accountable. But like last night, we were, we were listening to Chris D'Elia's podcast, and she's like, have you rated that yet? I'm like, no, I haven't. But we're cr- we're sitting here cracking up. We love this podcast, and I mean, it brings her so much joy mm-hmm. that when we're we're listening to this, and like he'll get he'll just say something, and we're both cracking up. I'm like, of course, I'm gonna leave this a, a five star review, and and right. then some of my favorites are like, you'll go in and read the comments. Um, there was an app. What was the app called? Oh, it was called Yo. Do you remember that app? It was like this minimalist. Uh, the only thing you could respond or 
yeah, it was like an app where all you could say was yo to right. one another. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it was like the ultimate sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't say minimal, but it, it, it had one very, but <laughs> one very particular function, right? Yes. In a bunch of different contexts. But the reviews for that thing were hilarious. I mean, uh, uh, you'd be like, this, this app cured my foot cancer. I mean, it was really absurd five-star reviews. But they were hilarious. And so, so you, you could see some people made, they, they had a lot of fun with, with the review process. So have some fun with that review. If you'll spend 30 to 60 seconds, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, before we dive into questions, you got anything else, Ryan? Or do you just want to dive right in? Let's dive into the voicemails, man. All right. Here is Sarah in Salt Lake City, Utah. My husband uh, and I have three little children under five years old. And we are moving from Salt Lake City to San Francisco uh, within the next few months. And we will have a, probably have a fully furnished housing situation given to us for up to 12 months. So our question is, do we sell our couches, sell our table, sell all these necessary things that we will have to rebuy back? Or do we actually pay for storage in San Francisco, bring all our stuff in a pot or whatnot? And, you know, it's from Ikea. It's not great stuff. Um, so do we store our stuff or do we just get rid of it all and then rebuy quality pieces later? So I guess the, the first question I would have for you and, and for anyone else who's listening as well is, do you really love your stuff? And now I say love like that in sort of vocal quotes because, and we'll get to that later. But but what, I, what I'll say is, does that stuff truly add value to your life? Does it ser- Is it going to serve a purpose and bring you joy, or is it just stuff that you don't care much about? At first, it, when, when you were talking about it, I was thinking like, yes, a storage locker might make sense for you. If this is stuff that you want to keep for a long time, and, and it's you, you re, you're really pleased with the aesthetics, or it cost you a, a good amount of money, and it's going to last many years, but then you said, well, it's a bunch of Ikea stuff. And, and here's what I'll say about Ikea, and people think that I always like bash on Ikea, but just because they saw the documentary, and I'm out reading in the salt flats about my experience with Ikea. That wasn't me bashing Ikea when I'm reading from the book and saying, uh, while Rome is burning, there's still time for shopping at Ikea. Mm-hmm. That was a criticism of me. That, that, that criticism was, hey, look, my mother just died and my marriage ended. And what am I doing? I'm out shopping at Ikea. It's not, Ikea wasn't the problem. I'm the problem. So Ikea is great in terms of aesthetics. It's, it's very... Uh, pleasing to the eye in, in, in many cases, but it tends to be relatively low quality. Ryan, have you tried to move around some like Ikea stuff in the past? And oh, it's it just... done after the first, well, I shouldn't say after the first move, but sometimes. Yeah, sometimes after the first move, it is done. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, it's funny, when we moved out to Montana, uh-huh. um, it was not, you know, we were not meant to be, I wasn't planning on being here for we're going on five years now? Six years? Uh, it's been over four years now. Yeah, going yes, on five. So yeah. going on five years. Um, I had an Ikea bed that actually held together decently. I had a washer and dryer, and I had... I'm trying to think of the big stuff that I held on to that I stored in my grandma's garage. Right. Um, I think that's it, man. It was... Yeah, it was my bed. It was my... Oh, no, no. There was like a dresser as well. So it was like a dresser, a bed, and then washer and dryer. So it was mm-hmm. about, you know, all... Like, if, if I was to buy all that stuff brand new, it would have been like, you know, two, three thousand bucks. Right. Something crazy. Um, yeah, long story short, after being in Montana for six months, right. I was like, oh, like we're going to live out here for a while. As soon as we got back to Ohio, which was was within that first year that we were out here in Montana, mm-hmm. I got rid of all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, this is what I would tell Sarah. It's like, hey, if you're moving to San Francisco 
and you know you have a place for a year. I think that's what she said. Like, yeah, oh, yeah we're going to have it for 12 months. We fully made, furnished. Yeah, fully furnished. Uh, but you don't know what you're going to do after that first year. Uh, I would say, yeah, if, if like Josh said, if it's stuff that you absolutely love, then hang on to it for a few months. Like budget that, uh, you know, put, put that storage unit into your budget for a few months, but set an end date on that. Meaning uh, like, well, first off, you're probably not going to find out whether or not you're going to continue living in that place right at that 12 month mark. They're probably going to find out six months into it, seven months into it, whatever it may yeah, be. That's a good point. So as soon as you find out whether or not, you know, you're staying there or not, you know exactly what you should do with your stuff. So you're talking about weighing the costs here too. That's interesting. So you, you talked about storing your stuff at, at your grandma's basement or whatever, mm-hmm. but let's say that all the stuff, I mean, it's a family of five, right? Her, her husband, three kids. Is my math right there, Ryan? I think so. This is a math podcast. If you'll recall, <laughs> Um, so a family of five, you're gonna have a, I mean, uh, a family of five tends to have more than just Ryan moving from Dayton, Ohio. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a storage locker for you could be, especially if you're going to store it in San Francisco, it could be three, 400 bucks a month. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. 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 And and maybe even more than that. So you're already talking about, let's just assume right now it's going to be 400 bucks a month just for the sake of math. And then we'll get to, so that's $5,000 in one year, right? Yeah. Now, now $4,800, but what is it? 48? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was rounding up. Um, so uh, thank you. Ryan here is the human abacus. <laughs> and um, and so so let's say if I were to give you five grand, Sarah, would you buy all the same stuff again? Yeah, mm. that's a really good question. It's because if not, then save that five grand and, and apply it to stuff you want to keep longer term. And also, the question is, where are you going to go after San Francisco? You're right. San Francisco is probably the most expensive market in the country to live. But are you going to stay in San Francisco? Or are you going to go elsewhere? Uh, because that all the, those things are going to determine what you need and also what you want. And, and by what I, what I mean by want is, it, does this does this add value to my current situation given wherever we're living if you're going to move back to utah or if you're going to move somewhere else in the country uh, are you going to buy a house are you going to continue to rent Uh, if you're going to buy a house you might want some more permanent long-term sort of furniture that's Mm -hmm. going to be more expensive because it works in that space really well and especially if aesthetics are important to you and so yeah do you really love and what i mean by that is do you really like enjoy the stuff that you have if not you you also have you know permission to let go i uh, i've been doing this little experiment on uh, instagram taking our essays uh this month and and putting up a, a new photo uh from a, a great photographer and then one of our essays to sort of juxtapose w- with that photo and uh, just this morning i posted this because i thought it was uh, i thought it would work really well for sarah the the permission to let go essay. So I'll just read this really quick because uh, when you're thinking about letting go of some of the stuff, this, uh, this essay might help. And you can find that at our Instagram account as well, at The Minimalists. There isn't an invisible committee of maniacal minimalists somewhere conspiring to force everybody to get rid of their material possessions. You like your stuff? Keep it. Find value in that wardrobe teeming with unworn clothes that closet brimming with mismatched bath towels, that basement abound with unplayed with toys, that garage stuffed with collections of trinkets, that shelf overrun by DVDs, CDs, and VHS tapes. Great. Hold on to it if you feel inclined. Permission granted. 
You have permission to keep anything that adds value to your life. And you have permission to keep anything that doesn't. But you also have permission to let go. You have permission to clear the clutter. You have permission to remove the excess, the clothes you don't wear, the junk you don't use, the things you hold on to just in case. And focus on what's truly important to you. Health, relationships, passions. Either way, you have permission. Of course, you don't need anyone's permission except your own. Preach. Yeah, I think I think that's the important thing here. And well, except with Sarah here, she also needs her family's permission. So she wants to get them on board as well. So <laughs> this is the collective you for her, right? Yes, yes. It's it's important to, that you're making this decision. And, and I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this as a, as a family, right? You, it's like with Mariah's stuff. You're not just going to say, hey, if, if you, you're moving, the uh, last time you moved with Mariah, mm-hmm. you, you didn't just say, well, I decided that... Uh, some of your stuff I got rid of, Mariah, during the move. We I had a packing party with your stuff. We, uh, so we've been together going on four years. We've never done that to one another. I've never gotten rid of one of her items. Yeah. She's never got I – mean, even, like, silly stuff, like uh, a receipt that, like, you know, I'm clearing out my pockets and it's on the counter or something. She'll, like, still put it in the corner. I'm yeah. like, you can just throw receipts away. That's about respect, really, right? Yeah, really. And so, so she's re- respecting your boundaries and, uh, and, and respecting you as a person. And you're doing the same for her. So respect your family in, in this move. And uh, it's here's the nice thing. So she's moving to San Francisco. It's a great time for a packing party. Oh, yeah. And, and so if, for those of you who don't know about Ryan's packing party, please just go to our website, theminimalists.com slash packing. He won't go through the, the whole thing right now because because we don't have 20 minutes to, to cover the packing party. But I think you'll find a lot of value in that. And then uh, also, when you're moving, think about where to donate your stuff as well. I've got an article, Sean, from Apartment Therapy. If you could put this in the show notes, but I'll read a little bit of it. It's called How How to Actually Rid Your Apartment of the Things You've Decided to Donate. And maybe we can talk about this a little bit, Ryan. Marathon runners will tell you that the last mile is the toughest. And so it goes in admittedly a lesser way for organizing your apartment. The journey from kitchen to closet to a box by the front door might feel like a mission in itself, but getting that box out to a donation center, resale shop, or just to the recycling, that might be even harder. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Ryan, where you've got this donation box and it's overflowing. I, I schedule it now. I schedule it once a month. So uh, the first day of the month, I, I, will, I will go and take that donation box. Man, you're so... You're so- I want to say organized, but we Anal always retentive. we always plan on organized. <laughs> no, we totally have. It's not overflowing, but uh, it's it's been sitting there with stuff in it for a couple months now. But yeah. you, when it gets when it gets full and overflowing, that's that's our cue to take it to the donation place, right? Or we'll have friends over and we're like, "Hey, do you need anything? Feel free to dig through that box. If you find anything you like, take it." Right. We actually do have people like we'll like we had a rice cooker in there or something like uh, you know not too long ago. We had some friends were like, "Oh yeah." We will totally take this rice cooker. We were getting ready to get one of those. I love that. Yeah, I did that uh, with a juicer recently. So I use a blender instead of a juicer now. And Yo, so you give me your blender. Yeah, well, I gave you uh, a small blender and got a bigger blender because I use it so much. Mm-hmm. I've got this massive like Vitamix thing that I use every single day, sometimes twice a day for my smoothies. By the way, so the smoothie that I make, for those of you who keep asking me on, on social media, uh, the, the smoothie I make is one large beet. Um, a huge chunk of ginger. <laughs> I wish you just left it at one large beet. <laughs> Minimalism. <laughs> one large beet, a huge chunk of ginger, like like panic level chunk of ginger, 
Uh, it's the size of like I don't I know. Can I do the gingers in my smoothies or juices? Yeah. Man. Well, this is not a delicious smoothie. It is. <laughs> it is a very. It's like a hold your nose healthy and drink. No, I mean it's okay because I also put half an avocado in it, uh, so it, it makes a really great texture. I put half a bag of frozen kale, like a, one of the decent size organic frozen kale bags and then what else do i put in there i put um love uh, I, yeah well i stir in love at the end <laughs> um and, and no I, I put some uh frozen blueberries just a, a handful of those uh to add a little bit of sweetness to it and some cilantro that's good stuff and i put a probiotic and uh some curcumin which is like or, or if you if you don't have curcumin you can do uh just turmeric tell me about yeah. that flavin you got <laughs> the riboflavin <laughs> yeah it's my favorite flavor <laughs> <laughs> uh that's the algae that's uh what's it called oh, yeah, uh, that's right. e3 live yeah. uh it's uh, you have to keep it in the freezer and then put it in the fridge and it's only good for like a, uh, a week i just do shots of that one shot of that a day oh, that's right. as well could you put that into a smoothie i've never tried but you could i also put some collagen so so oh, yeah. i use a uh, dr axe collagen uh, we'll put links to all that in the show notes. Not to beets, though. I think people will know where to get beets. <laughs> uh, oh, and they're fresh beets, though. Don't do the frozen beets. It, it doesn't taste as good. I've 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 journeyed with that in the past. Anyway, do you peel the? You got to peel them, right? No, I don't, man. Not you just the wash them mix. and like drop them. Yeah, in there. I, I I cut the little stem part. Not the stem. Yeah, it's like there's like a like little a stem. Yeah. Yeah. No, not the, the. I mean, the whole beet is a root. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just throw out the whole the whole beet. After I wash it, I just throw it throw it out. <laughs> Am I doing this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, back to apartment therapy here. Uh, step one, paperwork. And we'll be talking about paperwork more extensively with, with another question we have here. Uh, but th this uh, article says, you should have two things left over from paperwork, uh, from the paperwork day. I guess this is like part of a, a larger five-part series that apartment therapy put out there. Uh, your two shred and your two recycle pile. So yeah, I mean, shred any of the stuff that you're going to move with you. You don't want to have a whole file cabinet worth of stuff that you're moving with, Sarah. So shred, 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 and the recycle, whatever you shred or, or whatever you can shred. Uh, if you don't have a recycling place near you, you can Google uh, your city and recycling together. You don't actually want to Google the words your city. No, you want to like insert your city yeah, name So there. Salt Lake City recycling, for, for example, here. Now, if you're not in Salt Lake City, someone else, you don't want to Google Salt Lake City recycling. <laughs> I'm so glad you're Is this obvious, being Ryan? very clear on this. <laughs> I'm trying to add clarity to the situation here. And, of course, there are some things you can't recycle that you often think you can. Or if you're in a place like Missoula, like you can't recycle glass. or There's no uh, smelting plant here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Actually, you know what's crazy? What's that? So, okay. I just want to talk about recycling for a second since you brought it up. Please do. I just learned this not too long ago. Uh, with glass, if you're dropping bottles off somewhere, uh -huh. so like Target in Missoula used to have... Used to. Yeah, used to have this dumpster where you could drop glass off, mm -hmm. and they allegedly recycled it. When I would go there, there's like broken glass all over the ground. There's broken glass inside of... Uh, the dumpster and there are people just like you know chucking bottles in there and glass jars so forth and so on sure if if there's one broken bottle in that whole container they pretty much get rid of they th pretty much it all ended up in the landfill is what i'm getting at so if you're recycling bottles uh -huh. and there's a recycling place that you're putting bottles in do not just chuck them in there set them in there softly uh -huh. because that they actually reuse the bottles it's not like 
there are some places. Don't get me wrong. There are some smelt, you know, smelting plants places. They'll, they'll crush up the bottles. They'll reuse it in pavement. I think like Germany mm-hmm. does that. So I mean, there are places that do that. But uh, I guess I would just like tell people to be, you know, to have a little caution when they're recycling their glass because sometimes it is uh, it will ruin the entire bunch if you start just chucking bottles in there and chipping and breaking stuff. The other thing too is with recycling stuff like plastic. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, like cardboard, yeah. uh, pizza boxes. If there's a little bit of grease on there, it, it gets tossed in the landfill. Okay. Um, plastic. If there's any juice left over, any milk left, tossed in the landfill. Uh huh. So like rinse your. You have to rinse it. Rinse out, your plastics. Sure. Yeah. Uh, don't put pizza boxes because that too. Like you throw a pizza box in there with some pepperoni and cheese, uh-huh. and it goes into a bag. Actually, if you even put if you put all your recycling into a bag and tie it up really tight. Uh huh. Landfill. They don't untie that stuff. Really? Yeah, because it's not worth it to them uh-huh. to get poked or to get, you know what yeah. I'm saying, to get cut or something. Sure. So um, I would just, and again, like this is this is just like uh, something I learned about recycling here in Missoula. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is for my town. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that this translates to other towns. I'm certain there are exceptions, you know, to these rules that I'm throwing out. Yeah. Um, yeah but I would just encourage people like to just double check on when you're recycling. The proper way to recycle. I had no idea there was a proper way to. Re- I mean, obviously you got to, you know, plastics and certain things like you, you know, there's proper things to recycle, but sure. there's a proper way to recycle those things. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, you know, I was thinking about so in California they do it really well. We stay with uh, uh, our friends Marianne and Jean out there in, yeah. in Walnut Creek when when we're on tour sometimes. Um, they. Uh, they have like I don't know, like five different recycle bins. It's like here's the glass one, here's the plastic, here's the and, and and you know it just goes through this whole list, and they do it really well. But if if you take that care up front, you can feel really good to know that this stuff is going to get recycled and mm-hmm. and and then of course reused instead of being put into a landfill. Uh, let's see here. Also, they talk about kitchen. So you're moving, Sarah. You you're obviously going to have kitchen stuff. Um, your donate box should be the only thing left over from step two in the kitchen, um, filled with things like canned soup that you weren't going to eat or pots and pans you almost never use. Uh, you have two options with these things. Give them to friends or give them to charity. Uh, a quick note on resale. Selling your in good, in good condition items is always an option, of course. But I find that most people, once they've decided that resale uh, is the route they'd like to go, they tend to procrastinate on taking photos and actually getting their listings up. Yeah, I mean, I, what I would just add to that is if you're going to resell, if you're in debt, try to resell whatever you can. If anything's over 20 bucks, try to get some money for it because you're going to pay off your debt with it as opposed to just giving away. But you have to take action. In order to do that, you're going to have to give yourself a deadline. Schedule it. I'm Over the next seven days, I'm going to spend an hour a day taking photos of these things. I'm going to try to sell on eBay right? Or, or Craigslist or wherever you're going to sell those things, right? And, and you just mentioned something with your donation box that I just, I remember this just now. Our friend Colin Wright, exilelifestyle.com, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's the guy who introduced us to minimalism all those many years ago. When he was moving from Los Angeles to start traveling the world, he knew he had to get rid of the stuff that he owned. And he didn't have any debt or, or anything. And so he, what he decided to do was have a a yard sale room in his house for a month. And so he turned his living room into a yard sale room. But instead of selling the stuff at first, he gave it to any of his friends. He invited all his friends over and said, you know what? 
any of you, if you can find value in any of the things that are in this room, I want you to take it with you, and I don't want you to show it to me because I've already designated it to go away, and I don't want to have any sort of feeling or emotion tied to letting go of that thing. So you take it. I've already said anything in that room is, is fair game. At the end of it, he had far less stuff, and then he had the yard sale and then moved on with his life. But then his friends got value from that stuff because he knew he wasn't going to, to use it as well. Uh, food, if you, I mean, uh, we all at one point have had the canned goods that we've never eaten, you know, that are like... Can of beets. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I like beets. Um, no, I seriously have had a can of beets. I love beets too. It's like, I have like sardines. I always have sardines and beets. Yeah, like yeah. Just, I have cases of sardines on. at home. What's that? I buy cases of the wild wild oh, planet awesome. sardines. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. I don't love sardines, but they're they're really good for me and and so Yeah. It's part of my my health regimen, so I won't be giving those away. But if you have those, you know, pinto beans or whatever that they're just sitting there that you're not going to use, um a few things you can do. Uh you can donate it. You you can go to the the Feeding America website. So this is all from the article here at Apartment Therapy. Uh, and, and find a, a food bank near you, or you can go to ampleharvest.org and uh, and find places to donate your unused can or your unused. That's Wait. awesome. I didn't know those. Yeah, unused can resources were available. Indeed. So feeding America or ampleharvest.org, and if you have housewares, you can go to. It says here your Goodwill or the Salvation Army. There, there's usually local places though. I don't. I personally don't support the uh, Salvation Army because of their anti. Uh, anti-gay marriage stance and um, there's a whole whole controversy around that I don't think the people who work for Salvation Army are bad people there are a lot of really great people there but unfortunately the organization is a little has done done some things in the past and hopefully they they're working hard to change that and Mm -hmm. I think they are but I can't in good conscience recommend uh, their organization yet but even with Goodwill, I'll, I'll go to Goodwill, but there's usually local places as well. So yeah. go to donationtown.org. I've, I found that's the best place to, to look for local places to, to donate. Uh, also, they have this recommendation here, Ryan. I've never heard of this place. Zealous Good to help connect you with specific charities that are in need of exactly what you're offering. Wow. Uh, and this is from the Zealous Good website. Many charities are in need of kitchen items, including... Uh, and they have a whole list of a bunch of different charities here. And so, uh, wow, yeah. that's, it's funny it mentions kitchen, kitchen items because like with the refugees in Missoula, uh-huh. th- those are some of the biggest requested items. Yeah. So what, so you're, stuff. you're working with a bunch of refugee families right now. Um, and, and find it's a great way to contribute uh, with, with local refugees and help them sort of get acclimated to the culture and to the city and, and to a bunch of other uh, uh, things, but also to just live. And so they need kitchen goods. What kind of kitchen goods are they typically looking for? I mean, uh, pretty basic stuff, right? Yeah, basic stuff, man. Pots and pans. They uh, A lot of them come from like Ethiopia and Eritrea and places where um, I think, well, Angira is like an Ethiopian type bread. of bread. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that other countries also make Angira. But long story short, like we had some the other night. Yes. They uh, like, that's right, we did. <laughs> uh, they need like bigger pans to make because they make huge things of Angira. So like maybe that's like the one-off item that they asked for, but it's pretty it's pretty basic stuff, man. Spatulas, knives, scissors, you know, yeah, just, just things regular they don't kitchen have, items. But yeah. They will use every day Absolutely. To, to cook with. Yeah. yeah. Uh so Bex makes some killer Ethiopian food. It's it's the the next best thing to uh refugees locally making it, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um and uh she has some great recipes for that stuff on on her website minimalwellness.com. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll move on here to the bathroom. After spending uh 
Step three, in the bathroom, you should have one or two things to sort through, a donation box and possibly some, quote, trash box medicine that needs to be disposed of properly. Uh, bath and beauty products and tools. The donate box from step three in the bathroom might contain items like unopened makeup, toiletries, styling tools, and extra towels. Again, you can pass these off to friends or donate them to charitable organizations. If you decide to go the donation route, homeless shelters and women's shelters are a great destination for these sorts of goods. If you don't know of one nearby, the Homeless Shelter Directory, which uh, is just at homelessshelterdirectory.org, you can find there, and the uh, and, uh, sorry, womensshelter.org can also help. Uh, medicine. The other thing you left, you're left with after step three is potentially some expired or just unused medicine to get rid of. Many medicines include instructions on their packaging about the best way to dispose of them. If not, consult this resource from the FDA, and there's a link uh, to fda.gov uh, slash a whole bunch of other stuff. So you can find that in this article that we'll link to as well. Uh, from day four, wardrobe. This is the last little bit here. Uh, handling step four's stuff might be the easiest. The result of your wardrobe cleanup is three bags of clothing, each with its own predetermined destination. Gather up your dry cleaner, tailor, and shoe repair bags and load them into the car to be carted off to the professionals. There's a reason that we scheduled, quote, get rid of it day to fall on a Friday. So this is, like I said, it's part of a, a larger sort of get rid of it uh, uh, campaign here or, or reset for your life. Uh, you can and should take the weekend to make sure everything you've cleaned out from your apartment ends up where it's meant to go. The final step is, is a key moment in the whole process. It's the dot of the I and the cross of the T. Well, that's a little kitschy. Um, uh, you didn't write it. It's okay. <laughs> which helps. Which it's it's helpful. It's a very helpful article. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm being judgmental. I didn't mean to. I'm judging my own insecurities. Um, <laughs> which helps you close the book on your clean out and finally relish your neater, more organized space. At the end of the week weekend, when everything is out of the apartment, it's on its way to people who will appreciate it far more than you did. Um, I'd love for you to come back and share your comments. There were some interesting comments on this article, Ryan. Um, it said uh, another great option for things that you're leaving uh, th that are leaving your home is buynothingproject.org. Have you heard of this? Buy nothing. I I, I have, but uh, I mean, I, I've, I've heard of buy like buy nothing month and yeah. So this buy is, nothing groups on Facebook and stuff. I don't know. It was like an actual organization. Yeah, so so what's interesting about this? There are local community building groups, uh, usually through Facebook that let you gift what you no longer need to your neighbors. The groups are small, geographically speaking, so picking up and dropping off is easy. And while posting items for resale might be easily procrastinated, it's quick and easy to post items on Facebook to your buy nothing group. And so it's like a local group. It's uh, just item sharing. What's, a, what's, what's the it's term? Like, it sounds like free cycle. Free cycling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, and then uh, there are also local charities will pick up your... I know like in Missoula there's... Um, Donation uh, warehouse. Donation warehouse. They'll yeah. come pick up your stuff, especially furniture, but they'll pick up pretty much anything. You can just Even in Ohio, like you've got the, I remember the 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Right. They're like, yes, we would love to have your junk. Yeah, we'll pick up your junk for yeah. you, right? And so uh, a really good article, a good place to start. Uh, and um, let's see, so Sarah is in Salt Lake City. We, we are not coming to Salt Lake City for the tour yet, although it's on our potential cities list over at theminimalists.com slash tour. But 
her and her husband, her three kids, they're moving to San Francisco. Sean, can you reach out to her and see if she'd like a couple tickets to our San Francisco group, maybe even her kids as well? Um, we were talking about this yesterday on our Facebook Live thing. We were talking, people were asking, is it okay to bring our kids to to your tour stops, right? And you you said it perfectly. You said it's PG-13. So do you feel good about bringing your kids to something that's PG-13? Because occasionally we'll, we'll talk about stuff that's you know, a, more adult content. Mm -hmm. Now, we've had a lot of kids show up, especially like teenagers, 13, 14-year-olds, and high school kids who bring themselves, college students who, who bring themselves, or sometimes high school kids who drag their parents there as well. Yeah. But we've had kids as young as seven years old and maybe even younger than that. And, and some, where I was thinking of Washington DC last year, we had uh, a young girl who told you to write a kid's book. Yes. I forget how old she was, but uh, I think she was maybe seven <laughs> I have to write this old. other book first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get right on that. Thanks for the, I'll add it to my to-do list. Uh, but no, I, we'd love to write a kid's book someday. But yeah, you can bring your kids. If you, here's the way I was looking at it. Maybe, and tell me what you think about this, Ryan. If you felt comfortable with watching our documentary, Minimalism, with your kids, you'll probably feel good about um it's a fair assessment you'll feel good about bringing them to one of our tour stops yeah right? i mean if we drop like a four-letter word it's usually not the f word and it might be sometimes though yeah but well Rare that's occasions. just it would be once yeah i don't ever say i don't ever say it on stage so it's still uh, it's still pg-13 if you say it once I, i've checked the uh yeah the guide <laughs> right and josh will only take off his top one time that's still <laughs> pg-13 one time per leg of the tour <laughs> so you'll never know what's gonna happen <laughs> no, that, that that's not gonna happen but no. uh yeah no, she's bring your kids it'll be fun for sure so if, uh if she's interested in that sean if you want to reach out to sarah and maybe get her a couple tickets and maybe even tickets for the kids. Or you can have a date night and just the two of you come alone to our San Francisco stop. Uh, we're coming to, to 18 other cities during that first leg of the tour as well. Let me ask you one before we move on to Rebecca here, also from Salt Lake City. Uh -huh. uh, let me ask you a hypothetical question with Sarah and her family stuff. Mm -hmm. If it costs them $5,000 to replace all of their stuff right. and it costs them $5,000 to store all this stuff, Right. Like, what would you? What, what advice would you give them? Uh, does, does that question make sense? It does. Okay. So, if it was uh, all things equal, it's, it's five thousand dollars worth of stuff. It's going to cost five thousand dollars to store it. I would definitely let it go. And, and and the reason being is, you're probably not going to replace that stuff with the same exact stuff because the 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 stuff is often contingent on the space that you've settled into. So, the stuff that works in your current space, you may not be able to cram it into a new space, and then. It's also just going to weigh on the back of your mind. What do you What do you think about that, Ryan? Man, I I did not expect you to say that. Yeah, I'm think I'm a hippie, man. I'm turning into a hippie because like what would weigh on my mind uh -huh. is making sure that that stuff got a good home. I think yeah. like finding like donating that stuff for me would be more of the of a stress than like just putting it into a storage like a pod that she she mentioned putting it into a pod and just taking it with her but no i guess my thought process behind that was no one's going to get value from it as it sits there in that pod for a year no absolutely yeah no absolutely not and I, if I you guess, let go of it you can actually let other people get value from those yeah, things i totally agree with that sentiment if you can find this stuff a good home mm -hmm. but if it's going into the trash and it's getting recycled like that's where i'd say I think I'm turning into a hippie because that would weigh on my mind where I'm like, shit, like I just wasted all that stuff. Yeah, well, well, but if it, but if I could find it a good home, then yeah, I think I think you're right, man. I would replace it if if I could find everything a good home. Absolutely, I would I would just leave let it go and then replace it. And maybe this also isn't a zero sum game either. There's some of yeah. the stuff that you can hold on to if, if you have like oh yeah, if you have some point. things where like, I really love this 
you know, kitchen table that we got from Design Within Reach and we spent a ton of money for it and I think it'll work in our future home, but it's not going to work right now. That, then maybe you can get a much small, I mean, smaller storage unit for the most, uh, the things you want to hold on to most without holding on to everything. Yeah. So identify. Yeah, there's probably a compromise between both. Yeah, identify the 12 things. But even then, I would prefer, personally, I'd prefer not to have a storage locker at all. And so, oh, yeah. Because that weighs on my mind. And so I'd rather just let go of the stuff and then bring new things in. And that also allows me, because now she's approaching this, this minimalism thing, this allows her and her family to bring new things in much more deliberately in the mm. future. And so you can, you can approach that as a family, as a minimalist family or a simpler family, a more intentional yeah. family. But Sarah, no matter what you do, you don't need our permission to do it. Hey, uh, amen. That's that's for sure. Should we move on, Ryan? Yes. Let's move on to Rebecca, also in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm a divorce attorney in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm also a divorce mediator. I've been doing this for about 16, almost 17 years now. And I'm always amazed at how I can spend an hour in a mediation room or outside a courtroom with people talking about super complex issues like what are they going to do with their children? How are they going to divide the equity in their home? And they can fairly quickly come up with resolutions to those problems. And yet, we always save for last the division of personal property, the stuff in their garage, their photo albums, grandma's chair, whatever. And this is always where the real fight lies. Very rarely do people just do that simply, even though the fire sale value of their stuff is probably almost always less than $10,000 and usually less than that. So what I'm looking for is any advice that you might have about, I don't have the role or the time to tell my clients about minimalism and try to convert them, but I'm wondering if you have any kind of way of approaching the division of personal property in a divorce where they can realign their values and somehow realize that they were able to talk about the really important things like their kids in a much more casual way than they are able to talk about who gets the garden hose and who gets the spatula. And um, I know that I'm not alone in this experience with divorce lawyers, and I'm really interested to see what you have to say about ideas about how to approach it with clients who are in a super emotional state and the emotion is boiling down to attachment to physical things. Dude, when I was listening to this question, mm -hmm. the one thing I can think of was um, wedding crashers in like the beginning of the movie <laughs> when the two guys are like mediating uh -huh. and they're just like fighting over the pettiest stuff. Right, right, right. It's one of the funniest scenes in a movie I've, I've ever seen. But I would say uh, to have Sean insert some kind of funny quote from that uh, oh, there there might be something appropriate you can insert in there, Sean. Probably not, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one thing that stands out is like when they're going back and forth, and the girl is, just looks at the guy and she's like, "You shut your mouth when you're talking to me." <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Go comatose for me, baby. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. So, Ryan, I, I think this is the so minimalism is the thing that gets us past the thing, so we can make room for life's most important things, yeah. which actually aren't things at all. But the people here are having trouble understanding that. And I think there are a few few reasons why, and, and so I, I'd like to talk to you about that. I think first off, uh, we're, we lack the vocabulary, especially in English, to talk about this effectively. So, first and foremost, I, I, I said this earlier: Do you really love that couch, or do you really love that garden hose, or whatever it may be? 
but so, so we might say, I, I might tell my, my partner, Bex, I love you. And then we go out to lunch and I said, I love tacos. <laughs> and, and so we are using the same word, but it doesn't mean the same thing at all. Right. right. When I tell Bex, I love her and, and I show it through my actions. It, it's a totally different thing from, I love this garden hose yeah or the couch or whatever yeah and, and so i think what we need to do is refine our vocabulary and and quite often what we need to do is instead of saying i love this couch i enjoy using this couch mm. love people use things because the opposite never works right mm-hmm. but instead we're loving things right now and so what you're talking about right now is a love of things quite often and also a a a misconception People, they, they see all this stuff. So they've had this, you know, you're going through a divorce or separation or whatever, Ryan, and, and all of a sudden you're like, well, that thing has memories, that thing has memories in it, this has memories in it. But of course, the memories aren't in our things. Our memories are inside us. The, the, whatever that heirloom is doesn't actually contain your memories. If you die... I love heirloom tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, but there are no memories in those tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, y- you know what? It, the memories are not in the things. The memories are inside us. But also, y- what I found uh, interesting in Rebecca's question here, she says, we'll talk about the kids first, and then we'll talk about the big stuff, the house and the... the, the, the uh, equity in the yeah, house or the cars. Yeah. The most difficult decisions we're going we're gonna to address first. Yeah, the, fi- the biggest financial decisions. Right. Yeah. And, and usually the most difficult too, right? How are sure. we going to split up time? Where, where are we going to live? Who's going to get... Uh, uh, the house, uh, what about our finances and our debt and, mm-hmm. and you know, whatever. But then we move on to the, to the smaller things, right? And I think the problem there is quite often people are going to experience decision fatigue. I'm thinking about this yesterday. So yesterday, you and I, we had a very focused day, very scheduled out day yesterday. We just announced the, uh, the day before recording this, we, we announced the, the first leg of the Less Is Now tour. We did a Facebook Live session. We did a, a, a speech practice for the tour. And uh, we had a bunch of Sean just got back from Mexico. And so he's I'm so jealous of his trip. (laughs) So we tried to do something cool for for Sean uh, earlier this year instead of like saying, hey, man, here's a few dollars. We we just we we forced him and his wife to get on a plane and and fly down to to Mexico for what, eight or nine days or something like that. And um, spend a a week down there in a resort and they at a future time we're gonna have to have we're, we're gonna talk about all the antics that he <laughs> we should just all do, a pod, uh, do a podcast with a uh, podcast sean telling us his mexico story well we'll never let sean on the microphone because we don't want people to know whether or not he actually exists <laughs> but uh because <laughs> it sounds really impressive when we say we have a podcast producer but he may or may not exist that reminds me of dan carlin he, he does a podcast called uh common sense with dan carlin and he always talks about his producer, Ben, and he says, Ben, who may or may not exist, because you never heard of him. And, and, and so, yeah, plus Sean is far more articulate than us, so he'll make us look silly. Um, but, yeah, so uh, anyway, we had a really like hectic day yesterday. It was just jam-packed full of stuff. I, I like to avoid being busy, but yesterday was, was on the verge of being busy. It wasn't busy work, though. It was all good, focused stuff. But by the end of it... Uh, Bex is like, hey, what time do you want to meet? And I called her and I just said, I, I can't make a decision on this right now. Uh, I was driving. I'm like, I, I, I have decision fatigue. And I had to communicate that to her. And I said, I need your help making this decision. And, and I think we had to, we were able to approach that together. Now, unfortunately, Rebecca and her clients, they're at a spot where usually or not, maybe not usually, but often they're not at the communicative stage of their relationship. Right. 
and they're at a stage where they're tr they're grasping for control, mm. right? Yeah. And, and yeah, so, I, you know, go ahead. Well, I I think what do we really want uh, out of a situation like this? When when I think of we have CEOs and factory workers who come to the same event for mm. us uh, on, on tour, but they're both looking for the same thing. How do I regain some sort of control in my life? Mm. And, and I think quite often some one of the best ways to regain control is to let go of control because the person who is willing to let go of the most control actually has the most control. Absolutely. And so if you don't care about the garden hose and someone else wants it, or maybe if you care a little bit about the garden hose and someone else wants it, be willing to let go of that and you get control. So instead of uh, Rebecca, instead of telling them that, well, I'm trying to convert you to minimalism, because by the way, you can't convert anyone to minimalism. It, it doesn't work like that. We're not, we're not e minimalist evangelists here. Uh, <laughs> but what you can do is show them how they can get back control of, of their life by being willing to let go. That's real freedom. Your willingness to let go and let go of that control and let go of the stuff, that's how you get back your freedom. So what, what do these people want? You have to show them what they want. What is their outcome? Their real outcome isn't the stuff. The real outcome is freedom. It's control. It's meaning. It's purpose. It's passion. Those are the benefits of letting go. And, and if you convey those benefits, I think you'll do a good job of, of letting those people see that, you know what, I can let go of this. I remember when I, I was going through through my marriage ending, right? Mm -hmm. And and. I was willing to let go of control of, of everything. Now, thankfully, we weren't in a situation where we were fighting or we had to go through mediation or divorce court or anything like that. And, and Carrie is still one of my closest friends. Uh, our marriage just didn't work out. Uh, you know, we, we grew in different directions. But when I was going through that, I said, hey, what do you want? Like, do you want the anything? Do you want? I didn't have any money. Like, I had debt. So like, I said, I'll take the debt. I'll take all of the debt. Okay. And, and take that burden off of her plate. And, uh, oh, by the way, I will let you take whatever you want. Do you want the house? Okay, you can have the house. Do you want the car? You okay, great, you can have that car. Um, do you want my car too? Uh, you know, and, and just going through that, and my willingness to let go of anything, it allowed us to like get to this place where it's like, oh, okay, we're not going to fight about anything because you're going to get what you want, and I have control of my own life because I am willing to let go. Uh, and just this morning, so Bex and I were, were having coffee and then we do some stretching in the morning and she stole my yoga mat um, to, do, to do her stretches, right? And because and I, I said, I'm, I'm going to finish this, this thing I was preparing for this podcast this morning. I said, when I finish this, I'm going to go stretch. And I, I think she didn't hear me or she didn't, wasn't paying attention to it or whatever. And so she grabbed my yoga mat, which was already laid out. I'm getting ready to go stretching. And she goes out into the living room, lays it down and like, and she starts, she starts stretching on her own. And I'm, I, I go to start stretching myself and my yoga mat is gone. And I'm like, huh. And then I'm like, well, I'll just let go of control of this. Like I can, is it as comfortable to do it with, without a yoga mat? No, but what am I going to do? My, my first inclination is what? To get angry. Why'd you take that? You, you, you know, I said I was going to use it, right? That's mine. Yeah. That's my yoga mat. No, you're getting something from it. And I care about you as a person. And so I'll let go of that. I can do this on my own. And, and all of a sudden, I felt better than if I would have had the yoga mat because, wow, she is going, she's going to get something from this. So, Ryan, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on that, but uh, this is one of my favorite questions in a long time. Yeah, me too. Uh, my thoughts are, like, first, I think people are, uh, well, well, they just get petty during divorces. Not everyone. Yes. Um, like, you're, you and, and Carrie were, were very good about not being petty towards one another. 
Um, but I think that's where you get down to this little stuff. And it's not about whether or not they really love that couch. It's about how much does the other person love the couch. Mm. And if they love it, I'm going to try and take it from them because I'm going to be petty and I'm going to try to use this couch as emotional leverage right. to, you know, dominate the d- divorce, you know, mediation or to hurt this other person as much as they hurt me, so forth and so on. Like, I think it comes down to that pettiness. So I don't know how Rebecca can like make people stop being petty. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I thought of was, and I don't know if this is a good idea or not. You tell me, mm-hmm. but I was thinking she could just i don't know if she would tell both of them this or if she would tell it to them separately but essentially i know that they could use the stuff as a leverage for other things in the relationship that they really want so let's say you know one is really opposed to shared custody they want full custody and the other parent like really would rather have shared custody you know, maybe they could let go of all that stuff to be like, hey, look, you can have all the stuff in the house. Like, mm-hmm. let's just do shared custody. I don't know if that's what do you think? I think it depends on the circumstance. But, yeah, I think that's a good point. It, what you're showing there is you're willing to compromise with. Them. Right. And, and that's where you're at anyway. You're at a, a spot where you're willing to compromise. And, and if you get to the point, especially with the material things, the possessions, if you're willing to let go of all of it, you've taken back all of your control. And, mm-hmm. and, and at that point, if, if you're being petty, and your what you what pettiness is is grasping for control. And if you're grasping for control, you've already lost control. Mm. And the only way to get it back is to loosen that grip. Yeah, loosen the grip and let go. And all of a sudden, you're back in control. And yeah. and, and you're going to feel a lot better about that. I think. I mean, uh, and you, totally agree. You mentioned about so these decisions, and I, I alluded to this a second ago. Decision fatigue. Yeah. So maybe, maybe make these decisions, try this out, make these decisions first on the, the easy stuff. You don't, yeah. I think starting with the hard stuff is difficult. It's like, I'm thinking about average American household has 300,000 items in it. And if you're wanting to declutter and you want to get rid of half of those items, mm-hmm. you don't start with the family heirlooms. You don't start with the most sentimental items because it's so hard. And you're like, man, I spent the last week getting rid of 12 things and I am exhausted. Start with the stuff that's easy in your house because that will give you the momentum you need. And if yeah. all of a sudden you have momentum on this small stuff, who wants the garden hose? If you can start with the garden hose, okay, now I've gained momentum. All right, now who wants the couch? Who wants the kitchenware? Who wants the uh, chair? Who wants the desk? Okay, now you've gained momentum. And then by the time you get to those more difficult decisions, you have the momentum you need to keep going forward. Yeah, you, you know, I was thinking sometimes too, I don't think it matters what you start with. I think that if you're trying to do all the, all of the decision-making in one sitting, mm. it's probably the wrong approach. Yes. Because no matter what you start with, you're going to get to a decision fatigue, uh-huh. and it's probably more likely to get heated at that point. So uh, that's, I mean, that, that was the other idea I had too for you, Rebecca, was, you know, maybe you split up, the uh the mediation sessions maybe you do one with the heirlooms the big stuff uh not the heirlooms but the um the big monetary stuff houses debt uh whatever it may be and the children and then like uh, you know you meet a week later and then you go over the the stuff portion of it i'm certain that there are situations where you know maybe you don't have time to do that uh but that might be something you want to try out instead of sitting down for three hours and working everything out uh break it up Maybe that'll maybe that'll help. And one other thing, one exercise that might be beneficial, Ryan, is getting them to identify what their values are 
and it, it's it, it's a bit late in the process here to for them to work on their values together. So we were on Facebook Live yesterday, and I was talking about this briefly. So Bex and I, a couple of weeks ago, we we like to do this every so often. We'll write down our values. And so you and I have written about our higher order values, health relationships, passion, growth, contribution, in our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And, um, and I think that's important to, to be able to focus on those higher order values or what I would call foundational values. Mm-hmm. But then right above the foundation, there are what I would call core values. And, and so things like integrity or communication or sexuality. I mean, they're, they're, these are values that I have that I would consider to be core values in my own life. And the cool thing about doing this exercise with someone else is you can borrow from their values and, and you can you can make sure you're on the same page. But when you're going through this mediation, it's not about getting those two people on the same page with respect to their values. It's about identifying why are you doing what you're doing? And you're usually it's because you value something. And if you can get the person to align this meeting with what their long-term values are, they're not going to care about that garden hose because no. if your real value is, let's say it's integrity. Well, what does integrity mean? And, and we should probably do a whole podcast on, on values. I, I think, I think people will get a lot of value uh, about us yeah, talking about our values and, sure. and, and, and defining what, what those different types of values are. But if you're, if you value integrity, what does that mean? That means uh, it comes from the Latin word integer which means one or a wholeness. And if you value integrity, it means you value aligning today with what your long-term self wants to be. You want to be congruous with, with the person you want to become. And so if you value that, that person probably doesn't care much about the, the garden equipment that's in the shed out back that is rarely ever used. And so I think if you can communicate what the values are with someone, you can help them understand why they are doing what they're doing. Sean, one thing that might help her is if we can, let's send her 10 copies of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, because that will identify those higher order values. And while she doesn't have to to preach minimalism to them and wouldn't encourage her to, if she meets someone who she, she thinks can find value from that book, then she can pass it on to them. So if you could reach out to her, or I mean, if she wants an audiobook copy to hand out to people, I'm sure we can get her a download for that as well. It's out on audiobook now. Before we move on, Ryan, this also reminded me of one of my favorite blog posts ever written by a guy named Derek Sivers. And uh, it's called, Why Are You Doing? Not what are you doing? But why are you doing? And Love I think it. it's an important question to ask. So here, here's, what, here's what Derek Severs has to say. The most important thing in life is to know why you are doing what you're doing. Most people don't know. They just go with the flow. And I think that's really key right here, right? I mean, you, you have these people who are like, they're, they're fighting over these inconsequential items, but they don't know why they're doing it, right? Well, I'm sure it's a knee-jerk emotional reaction as to why they're yeah, but they don't but know that's why. Not a, yeah, that's true. That's, that's not a good reason. And so like he said, most people don't know why. They're just going with the flow. They're going with the flow. Their emotions are steering them. They're heading towards the falls. Amen. And so social norms are really powerful. The inputs that influence you are really powerful. A great video, talk, or book can convince you that you should be acting and thinking that way. But the worst thing in life would be a deathbed regret that you've spent your time pursuing what someone else said you should want instead of what you really want. So let's talk about this, Ryan. In, in this, they're like, well, they really, they really want the car. That means I should really want the car in, in, in this, right? Because, or they, 
they really want the painting that's over the fireplace. That means I should want it. Well, do you really want it? And why do you want it, right? Do you want it just because they want it? If so, that's not a good reason to want something. Uh, and so uh, he goes on here. Uh, for example, if you really want to make a lot of money, you need, need to admit that. And I think it's, it's funny. People are always like, um, uh, minimalisms, you know, for rich people or whatever. And it's like, okay, let's say, let's, let's, it's obviously not. If you come to our events, you'll, you'll find out very quickly that it's not for rich people. But um, let's assume that it was. Would that be wrong? Is there something wrong with being rich? Hmm. Since when did we like start condemning people for earning money? That, that's a strange thing. Um, but if you want to make a lot of money, then admit that. And if that's truly what you want, but you have to understand the why behind it. Mm-hmm. In my 20s, I thought that was the what, but I didn't know why. It's like, yeah. well, if I make a million dollars, I'll be happy. Well, why? Uh, because I have a million dollars and I'll tell myself I can be happy. But wait a minute. Can't you just tell yourself you can be happy now? And there's nothing wrong with pursuing that if you want to pursue it, but you can happily pursue it instead of happiness being tied to that outcome there. Mm-hmm. If you really want to be famous, you need to pursue that. If you really want freedom and no responsibilities or, or to learn as much as possible or whatever else, you need to realize it and embrace it. But whatever you decide, you need to optimize for that and be willing to let go of the others. I think that's important here. So what do you really want from this? Optimize for that. So going into the mediation, I would encourage the people to say, what do I really want? And then why do I want it before they get to that mediation? And then how can you encourage them to optimize for whatever that outcome is for them? Because if they really want the couch, it's not that they want that couch. Maybe they just want a couch, right? Mm -hmm. And that changes the, that changes the entire scenario because they can get a different couch. It's okay. It's just a freaking couch. (laughs) I'm just imagine. I was just going to say like, Rebecca, yeah, like help, help them get to the why behind they're asking for this stuff. But I'm just picturing like two really angry people just looking back at Rebecca and going, we don't need, this is America. We don't need a reason why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so you have to be willing to, to, I think, talk to them about that beforehand, maybe give them some pre-work or some homework before, uh, before the actual meeting takes place. Uh, You can't diffuse your energy trying to do as trying to do a little bit of everything, or you'll always be in conflict with yourself. For example, one way to make money is to take on a lot of responsibility, which means letting go of some freedoms. One way to get famous is to let others make more money while you take the spotlight. I learned this living in Los Angeles when I was friends with some famous Hollywood actors, and I realized they're not as rich as you'd think. The richest people in Hollywood are the ones you've never heard of mm-hmm. because they've optimized for, for their career. They've optimized their career for money. They know others are willing to take less money in return for more fame, so they profit from the other side of that deal. Maybe the most important thing to you is learning or creating or giving. Maybe it's how many people's lives you can influence. Maybe it's how deeply you can influence just a few people's lives. Once you realize it and admit it, you need to pursue it. Like if you want freedom, when you own, then, then you own a business but delegate all the work. That was one thing that I remember Derek Sivers did. He wrote about this in... Uh, this book he wrote called Anything You Want, which is one of my favorite business books in the world. And it's really short. It's like 88 pages. And it's just a great book. And I, I bought a case of it. In fact, uh, let's send her one of those too if we have a copy of, of Anything You Want. I think she'll she'll like that a lot. And um, yeah, so I bought a case of it to hand out to, to friends and, and readers and so forth. But uh, uh, he, he delegated everything at CD Baby to the point where he moved from the headquarters. He moved to a different state 
so he could let everyone do the work for him because he wanted the freedom and less money came with that, less control came with that, but he got back control of his own life and, and his own freedom. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's an important thing to, uh, to realize. Uh, let's see here. What else does he have to say? Uh, 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 uh. Oh, th- th- I like this a lot, Ryan. Sometimes your best strategy is counterintuitive. Like if you have a high paying job, but realize that charitable giving is what matters most to you, then the best strategy is not to quit your job and go hang mosquito nets in Africa, but actually to keep your job and make as much money as you can while spending it on hiring hundreds of people in Africa to hang thousands of mosquito nets for you. Unless your goal is more about looking charitable instead of actually being charitable then admit to that to yourself too. And that's fine. So that's interesting, Ryan. And Peter Singer talks about this. Like if you really, the, the best way to, to contribute, if you're really, if, if you're really interested in contributing to the most amount of people, it might be to go get a job on wall street and make millions of dollars and donate all that money. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, do you know, Will McCaskill? Mm-mm. He's a Ox- Oxford professor, but he's he has pledged to like live the rest of his life on no more than I think it's like thirty thousand dollars, and all the stuff, everything he makes above that, he he sends to charity. And he's done a lot of like entrepreneurial sort of businesses, and he's he's linked up with a bunch of charities. And so he'll continue to make money, but he'll what he calls um, uh, like uh, he calls it uh, effective altruism, mm. and uh, it's being altruistic, but also you get something out of that as well. And and I think you want to you want to acknowledge that. But whatever you choose, brace yourself. Ah, here's the part, Ryan. Because people are always going to tell you you're wrong. Right? So if you go work at Wall Street, make a million dollars a year, oh, that's easy for you to do. You're rich. It's easy for you to contribute. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing this so I can contribute, right? Yeah. And, uh, or whatever you decide, someone's going to tell you you're wrong. There's no doubt about it. Someone in your family. Yeah, I'm thinking... Uh, 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 any decision you make, someone is going to judge you, judge you, but judgment is just a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging, right? That's why you need to know what you're doing. I'm sorry. That's why you need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Know it in advance. Use it as your compass and optimize your life around it. The other goals are secondary. So when those decision moments come, you can choose the value that you already know matters most to you. I think that's important. So know the why, the what becomes a whole lot easier. So what's happening here, Ryan? Rebecca's clients are fighting over the what because they have lost the why. Preach. Can we move on here? That's two preaches already. (laughs) All right, let's move on to uh, Pam in Ontario, Canada. I am a high school teacher and with that comes a lot of paper a lot of documents. And if there was anything that you could suggest to help me minimize that, it would be really cool. I struggle in paperwork. All right. So a few steps for you to help out with the the paper clutter. Um, You know, I think first off, you want to start with what you already have. If you already have a a house full or a classroom full or a workspace full of paper clutter, you want to start out by having a scanning party. So you can go to theminimalists.com slash scanning. You can see the scanner that Ryan and I use, also digital picture frames that we use. I'm going to read this to you real quick. If you're going to ask for one physical gift this year for the holidays, so I wrote this around holiday time, but it could be a birthday gift or 
Uh, it's past Valentine's Day, isn't it? When's Sweetest Day, Ryan? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. Give me a scanner for Sweetest Day, please. Uh, yeah, so uh, you may want to consider a good photo scanner. And then there's a link there to the photo scanner uh, that we use. If you're anything like me, you've probably allowed the overstuffed boxes and albums of photos to go unchecked over the, over the years. And now they're collecting dust in your basement or closet, just sitting there unused, waiting for, quote, one day to come. One day. Two of the most dangerous words in the English language. I, too, held on to heaps of meaningful photos that added absolutely no value to my life because they were hidden away, and the prospect of dealing with them seemed daunting, overwhelming, not worth the hassle. So I let them sit in the attic, the cupboard, the garage. Then, inspired by Ryan's packing party, I decided to throw a scanning party. Because if you put party at the end of anything, Ryan will show up. Woohoo! <laughs> He's wearing a party hat right now. I'll bring the beer. <laughs> so it reminds me of. Uh, had you have you seen Garth Brooks on? on uh, uh, I have seen Garth Brooks before. Yes. Do you know this person, Garth Brooks? Yes, I've heard of him. <laughs> he uh, six o'clock on Friday, even Mama. Never mind. Go ahead. He he's on Facebook <laughs> now, and he is recording the creepiest Facebook videos. You'll he just really have went. He yeah. He got a little odd after like he blew up in I want to say early nineties. Uh huh. And he had some awesome albums. I can't remember like the one song I was just kind of uh, you know interpreting there. Um, I forget <laughs> what album that was, but that was like one of my favorite only like one of my only favorite country albums. Um, but after he got that huge fame, he like went to this alter ego. I forget the guy. Uh, oh man, he was a character that he was playing. Or, or that he was representing in a movie or a book. I don't know what it was, but he took on this completely different look and right. name. Uh-huh. And that was a little strange. But like ever since then, he's never he's never been the that Garth Brooks from the early 90s. Like, it, he's isn't always, it weird? Like, I don't know if that's good or bad. I think we get out of touch. We, we, we lose touch with, with our roots. Or, I mean, you and I grew up really poor and, and really terrible situations. Not even just poor, but like alcoholism and drugs and and cockroach infested apartments and and mm. you know just not good situations i'm i'm currently out of touch with with that way of i can still remember it viscerally remember it because i spent a lot of time there but you know it's like when they when, when they asked presidential candidates I, I think it was maybe george hw bush who got stumped by how much is a, a gallon of milk cost and he he had no idea. I mean, but think about it. George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush isn't buying a gallon of milk on his own. Well, I wouldn't know that either, but that's just because I don't drink milk. Yeah, yeah. I'm lactose intolerant. So <laughs> that's like asking me how much does it cost for a helicopter or ride? Or carton of cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or something really expensive like a helicopter ride. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. I, I, I don't <laughs> spend money on hel- – I can't buy a helicopter, right? Like, And so uh, – but the point – I guess the point I was making there, your, the voice you did, because it sounded a lot like – so Chris D'Elia uh, was, was talking about this in his podcast, Lurial to last night, and he started doing these Garth Brooks, Brooks impressions with the, the deep voice. And he's like, um, I won't do any justice. Sean, here is a perfect time to paste in Garth Brooks – talking about how he is now on Facebook. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. I really wasn't sure about this at the start. But then a friend of mine said something that just made all kinds of sense. She said, think of it more as a conversation. I like that. But I'm already finding out on my own that it's wiping the walls out between you and me, and I really like that. It allows us into each other's worlds, or I guess in my case, a hotel room. 
when I think about things I want to post, I want to post cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. But most of the stuff I'm going to post is going to be raw stuff like this. This is just who I am. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. All right, back to the essay here from uh, the, the photo scanning party, or it can be a paper scanning party or just a scanning party for, for Pam, Ryan. Uh, so first I found... By the way, Pam, I'm not going to show up to your scanning party. Uh, he might. <laughs> I'll he bring might. the beer. All right, keep going. <laughs> uh, first, I found a high-quality photo scanner. I could rapidly feed photos. This is the, the key here. Find a good photo scanner that you can rapidly feed photos and paperwork and whatever else you want to scan immediately and save to a memory card. So so instead of like the old photo scanners that were like half espresso machine, half fax machine, half printer, and then a little bit scanner as well, where you put the one page on there and 45 minutes later, you had an upside down page on your computer. <laughs> Would you have a scanner from like the 80s? <laughs> it was the 1880s. <laughs> it had a it had a telegram machine on it. You know, we should come up with a minimalist scanner, and it's really like it looks like a scanner, but they put it through and it just shreds it. <laughs> <laughs> we could just sell a shredder, call it the minimalist scanner. Yes, or maybe it would be like a. Oh, this is genius! It's a shredder slash scanner. Like as it's scanning it, it also is shredding it. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant, right? Yeah, except if the scanning messes up, like you, there's <laughs> you don't get a second attempt to scan it. It's gonna have to be fail safe though right, right scratch that world don't come up with that yeah yeah uh well or or there are places like um one dollar photo.com all oh, spelled yeah. out we'll put a link to that in the show notes but they incinerate your books and photos and everything else after you you're done with it so uh or they recycle whatever they do uh with the books but then your paperwork they they shred and incinerate so that it doesn't get sent back to you. So that that's another option, especially for someone like Pam. If you're dealing like, I can't do a scanning party. I have mountains of stuff. Well, there are websites like $1 Scan out there who can who can help alleviate some of that, that initial pain. And so, uh, yeah, take your high-quality scanner, uh, which I, I could then use, uh, and I could use a, a few uh, high-res uh, digital picture frames. So just a couple of those allows you to display your pictures in a, a few key areas without having just a ton of photo albums that go unused. And so you're actually displaying those important photos instead of hiding them away somewhere. And plus, if anything happens to my home, flood, fire, robbery, all my photos are saved and secure online. I, I use a triple redundancy there. I have on my computer, I have it on a, a backup hard drive, and then I have it in the cloud as well. Whereas before, I just had it in the basement. And if the basement floods, what happens? They're gone. Mm -hmm. I have no access to any of those photos or paperwork or whatever now. Let me scan some stuff. Where's our scanner at? Sean, do you got it? You got a scanner? Yeah, we, yeah, we have so like a we have a, a scanner that we just pass around between Josh, Sean, and I. Yeah, I was letting Bex borrow it a few few months ago. I mean, because uh, I don't have to use it every day, so you can let other people borrow it as well. Yeah. So yeah, you'll spend a little bit of money on a scanner. I think it's probably on a hundred bucks or so. I forget what the price is of the one that we have. So it's it's a little expensive, but you'll use it a lot, and you, your friends will get a lot of use from it too. Especially if you invite them over for. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. So uh, all of my photos are secured online. Thus, I never have to worry about losing those memories so it's true that our memories aren't in our things but sometimes our things or photos of our things can help trigger the memories that are inside us and so instead of holding on to a bunch of things i can take photos of things as well and hold on to those photos in the cloud right of course the memories aren't in the, th in the material possessions um but a well curated photo collection triggers all the wonderful memories of yesteryear without all the physical ba baggage next to make my quote party 
a little more fun and less lonely, I invited a few friends over, ordered food and drinks, and together we thumbed through the photographs of my childhood and all its double-chinned grandeur. Scanning. <laughs> I was such a fat kid. <laughs> Do we both? I like? was the fattest kid in school. I was morbidly obese fat. So so if, if you have your, your phone in front of you, you pull it out and you see us standing there. I'm a relatively thin guy right now. I'm, I'm 6'2", 165 pounds. In seventh grade, I weighed 215 pounds. In my early or mid-20s, I weighed uh, as high as 240 at one point. It was all gut and chin, though. So it was not, it was not a good look. <laughs> so a lot of those photos I didn't want to scan, but I did anyway. And, uh, and then I, what I do is I name the photo. So like who's in the photo, what year approximately mm-hmm. it was taken. And, and that way I can search those anytime in the future. So uh, if, if you want to do that, I think that's a good place to start to deal with all the scanning or the, all the paper clutter, picture clutter, paperwork that you have right now. A scanning party is a good way to do that. But then going forward, it's really about dealing with it. What like like as it as it po- before as it piles fl- up. as it's flowing in. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. she's probably looking at like I'm just imagining her like at her desk with like stacks of paper so high she can't even see her students or she's something. Trying to peek over the paperwork to see yeah. her students. Like the the key is is like yes like start with all that paperwork. Um, it's <laughs> she's probably thinking to herself it's gonna be really hard and yep it is it's gonna be really really hard simple and easy right but uh, but to avoid those stacks of paper uh, yeah you've got to come up with a good system to work with the stuff that's constantly flowing in yeah and there's some stuff she's not gonna be able to scan like I can't really think of anything specifically but I can't either man I was I was, I was well, racking she's my got, brain so this. let's say she's got like a I mean I guess one thing I can think of is like if she's got a worksheet. She gives out to students. Mm-hmm. She's made 100 copies of it. She only right. hands it out to 30 students. She has 70 left. She's got to give it to the class next year. She doesn't want to waste 70 pieces of paper. I mean, she could recycle it, mm-hmm. but I get that. I mean, you know, like two, to, you know, think of a, like someone who does archives, um, like especially like Library of Congress, sure. which is really important. Like we should have those archives. Yes. Like those people are dealing with a, a, a massive amount of paperwork. Yeah. And they've got to have a good system in place. So, Luckily, she's not working at the Library of Congress and right. dealing with that much paperwork. Um, but, you know, just as they have a system, yeah, I would just say, yeah, like you've got to have, have a system to deal with it as it's coming in to avoid those huge uh, stacks of paper that are causing this anxiety and stress. Yeah, absolutely. And so having having that system is important. And, and I can't think of anything that I personally in my life can't scan at this point i know me either like oh or take a picture of birth certificates like i have a filing cabinet um birth certificates uh passports uh social security card which i've lost so actually i need to get another one of those uh title in my car which i too have lost (laughs) i gotta get another one of those um but yeah there are certain things that like you do have to have physical copies of but it's i think it can fit in one file probably yeah i was gonna say like i think to your point though it's very few items right and and there are even there are even other things that you'll you may feel better about like tax documents they say hold on to tax documents for seven years but i've got all that stuff digitized now whether it's with the cpa or or with uh, quickbooks online or or whatever and uh, to your point ryan handling that stuff as it flows in so you can do it every day so you get a receipt you need there are apps on your phone whether it's quickbooks or fresh books or just taking a photo of the thing uh and, and naming that photo for for later deal with it right now 
So when we're out on tour and we go get a meal or something, we will instantly take a photo of that receipt. If it's something that we can write off, we have a business meeting or something like that. If it's something we can write off, you don't, you, know, you don't want to save it for the end of the year. And you, you, you turn up at the end of the year with a, a mountain, several folders full of receipts and, and random paperwork. Try to deal with it as soon as it comes in. And that'll help you toward the end of the year or just help you avoid having that massive stack of paper. A few other things here, Ryan. Um, so we already talked about photos. Uh, I think you can also, it's important to note, you can take photos of a lot of just different documents. You don't necessarily have to scan everything. It doesn't Dude, have to be perfect. I can't, like, I can't tell you how many times we've done this, but I, I don't scan anything anymore. Like anything I need to, where they're like, hey, fill this out, scan it and send it back. Like I will fill it out, take a picture of it, and send it back. It's the functional equivalent. Yeah, it yeah. works. It works just the same. It absolutely does. In fact, if you really have to, if they want it to look scanned, you can take a photo of it and then crop the image so it just yeah. looks like a scanned. And image. there are there actually are apps that'll do that for you too. There Free you apps out there. Yeah. So so uh, you can search that as well. And then uh, the last thing I had here, Ryan, was uh, day fifteen of your your 21 day journey that which we wrote about on the website. It's also all of your notes from that are in our book, everything that remains in, in the end notes there. But on day 15, we talked about finances and also re just reducing some of the paper clutter. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is toward the end of that. You can find it at the minimalists.com slash D a Y one five day 15. Uh, but so here's what it says. Also somewhat related. Do you hate how much junk mail you get from the post office? We did too. So here's what you can do. The Direct Marketing Association offers a free online-only service at dmachoice.org to stop catalogs and junk mail deliveries. Or, or you can get more of them if you desire. So like, if you <laughs> want more junk mail, Wait a minute. you can sign up for more at dmachoice.org. Dude, I need to do that for the refugees. because like they will Sign up for more junk mail for them? <laughs> no, I need to have them get no junk mail. Because they get so much junk mail and they don't know what's important. Mm. So they hold on to everything. And then when I show up, they're like... What, what can should, I do? <laughs> do I need to hang on to this DirecTV offer? Right. Yeah, that's right. crazy. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, yeah, if you want that to stop. Most legit mailers are a member of the DMA. So this could reduce your load of unsolicited mail by up to two-thirds. Yeah, I was going to say like 90% of it, it cuts out. So yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it cuts out a ton. It even and, cut out more than that for me. Yeah. And when you're at the DMA site, you may see a direct link also to optoutprescreen.com. And this one's important because it will prevent major credit card bureaus and major credit, I'm sorry, major credit bureaus and, and credit card companies from sending pre-approved credit card applications to you. Another site you'll want to check is worldprivacyforum.org, which is a clearinghouse for all these matters. And so uh, we'll put a link to, to that in, in the show notes as well. But those are three good resources to stop the clutter from coming in. The best way to deal with clutter going forward is to have as few uh, of the paper, paperwork clutter going in uh, as possible. So you, you mentioned she made, you know, 100 copies of the Scantron test or whatever. Uh, well, the key is to plan better in the future, right? right. You, you, can't, you can't do anything about you, you already made that action now. But in, in the future, instead of making 100 copies, make the 32 copies that you need. Right. And, and from there, you'll have less paper clutter going forward. Last thing to think about here is the goal isn't no paper, okay? So this is not a zero-sum game. No. The goal for you is less paper, less clutter, less stuff to deal with. You're still gonna have some paper, it's gonna be useful. I'm writing on paper, I'm looking at my notebook right here in front of me, mm -hmm. but I certainly have less paper clutter compared to my, my days of, of paper cluttered yesteryear. All right, uh, Sean, if you could reach out to, to Pam, maybe give her a, 
a copy of our book Essential. Uh, so there are there are uh, two chapters in there. I think you should find a lot of value. And there's the stuff chapter. So we talk, we call it the things chapter for this episode. And also there's a technology chapter. And we talk about photo scanning and some other stuff in there as well. But, of course, if she doesn't want a physical copy of the book because she's trying to get rid of the paper clutter, there's two things she could do. She could read the book and then pass it on to someone else who can get value from it, like a library or someone else in her family. Or uh, if you want to give her the audiobook version of that, it just came out as a six-hour audiobook as well. Or the digital version. Yeah. That would also Oh, avoid. yeah, the ebook version. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So you can you can get the ebook version. You can get the audiobook version. Or if you want the paper version because you prefer paper books, great. Pass it on when uh, whenever you're done. Bless right. you, Sean. I just sneezed. Gazumtai. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Ella always says Ganesh Nish. <laughs> Ganesh Nish. <laughs> <laughs> so Ella's three years old, and, and when she was two, she couldn't pronounce Gazumtai because that's what we always say around her. And uh, so she's like, Ganesh Nish. And you now, not bless people because you don't have the authority. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have the authority to bless anyone. Um, but uh, yeah, so now we all just as a family say Ganesh Nish nice. whenever someone sneezes. So Ganesh Nish, Sean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan, uh, anything else before we move on? No, Ganesh Nish. All right, well, we'd love to hear what you all have to say about things. So if you have a comment or tip about your things, your tings, including advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. And Ryan, I just set this up. You can also email a voice memo. So for a lot of the overseas folks, they couldn't call in, or if they did, it was like long-distance calling. So you can also send a voice memo uh, from your phone. So you just record a voice memo on your phone, and you can send that to podcast at theminimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. Yeah, I would love to see some uh, some questions about values and beliefs. That would I think that is a really good show idea. Yeah, for sure. So so values. If, if you have questions about values, that's a, a, a let's do that in the future for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's move on to our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round, where yes. we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists during our lightning round. This is where Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We'll also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so that you can copy and paste our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. All right. All right, man. Our first question is from Megan. She writes, do you see a correlation between hoarding and financial insecurity? If so, how can I best assess the I may need this someday mindset? It's a good, a good like book title, financial insecurity. Yeah. Or at least a blog post title. Um, Yeah. So, so my, my short answer for, for Megan here is excess is a sign of weakness. Yeah. What do you think I, about that? I agree with it. I, it's, it's, it's subversive. So <laughs> I know there's just like someone who's like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Like that's what they're thinking right now. Yeah, I'm not saying stuff is a sign of weakness. No. I'm saying excess. Excess anything is a sign. Th- think about it this way. When someone is a, an alcoholic, my mother was was an alcoholic. It wasn't a, the drinking wasn't the problem. It was the drinking in excess was mm. the problem. Excess 
uh, becomes habitual. Yeah. And that is a sign of weakness. So excess is a sign of weakness. What about you, Ryan? I feel like I give the same answer. If it's not every podcast, it's once every other podcast. But there's not one good reason for the average person to hoard. Mm. Yeah, and so we think about that. Hoarding doesn't, isn't necessarily just the, the mental illness side of things. I mean, that's one side of the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. But, but hoarding can also mean you're just holding on to a bunch of stuff just in case. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep this just in case. And there's not a good, a truly good reason is what you're saying. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, there, yeah, and there, because really the I may need this someday is the same thing as just in case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had a friend who uh, was like, you know, Ryan, I love what you guys talk about, but you know, what about that poor person who can't just afford to buy a new lawnmower when their lawnmower breaks down? So they hold on to their old lawnmower for spare parts for when that lawnmower breaks down. And I'm right. like, uh-huh. Like they're holding on to it for just for when. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, they are going to use it. Because they're going to use it. And lawnmowers break down all the time. Right. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, I guess that's something else I would encourage Megan to do too, is like really be discerning with just for case, uh, just for case, <laughs> uh, just in case and just for when. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. Just be honest. Like at the end of the day though, even hoarders who have every newspaper from, you know, 1965 when they first started the newspaper subscription, like they're, if if they're not signed up for the Wall Street Journal, they're missing all the Wall Street Journals from 1965. They may have all the USA Today's, but they don't have all the Wall Street Journals. Right. Like there's always going to be something that you don't have. Yes. So if you could if you could hold on to uh, 10 million just in case <laughs> items, there is an infinite amount of just in case items that you still don't have. Right. Right. So you're never going to be prepared for everything. So uh, to avoid the hoard. Yeah, get clear on the just for when items versus the just in case items. Yeah, and then let go. Amen. All right, this question's from Remap. One big trend is to sort and remove things all at once, such as all clothing, all books, all kitchenware. Is it better this way or by piecemeal? Well, my short answer to this is the best plan is the plan that works for you. And so, yeah, Ryan, I I think... If you want to rent a giant recycling bin, throw all your stuff in it, and move on with your life, that is what I wish I would have done instead of spending eight months slowly, gradually, tediously dealing with my stuff. But that's what I needed to do at the time, I think. Now, in retrospect, could I have done it and been fine emotionally? Yeah, it was just I I didn't have the momentum I needed, so it took me some time. Now, with someone like you, it was like, no, I'm not doing this piecemeal. It's all, it's all this month and I'm getting it out there. And I wish I would have done that, honestly, but, yeah. but I didn't. And the key is either one can work. What's the best plan for you? Yeah. I just said, uh, and this is tweetable. I think there's like even 20 characters left. I just said, uh, comparing yourself to others as a guide to live life is a sure way to discontent. Instead, follow your values and beliefs. Indeed. So I'm just kind of echoing what you said there. A little bit more long-winded answer, but I think I think we're saying the same thing. It's good. <laughs> we're saying the same thing. I'm just saying it wrong. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's that's Ryan's famous. <laughs> that's that's how he diffuses any argument. And it works so well. <laughs> Actually, that that's interesting too. So going back to the mediation thing, like if you just say, "Yeah, I was wrong about something," quite often it's like that ends the argument right there. Yeah. Even because sometimes you can be right or you can be in love or you can be right or you can be friends. Uh, You can be right or you can be real. And sometimes the most real 
thing that you can do is to admit that admit that you're wrong. This one is from Dr. Ash. I had to like do a double take. I was like, is it Dr. Axe? Did he? <laughs> the uh, the protein or the, the collagen powder place? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, this is Dr. Ash. Dr. Ash. Can minimalism become just another way of controlling one's surroundings rather than liberating ourselves? Yeah, I pulled a line from an essay here. We'll put a link to the entire essay, but it's one of my favorites. It's uh, called Letting Go of Control. And so uh, here is here's the line, the, the short tweetable line. Letting go of control is the best way to regain total control. I just said uh, anything taken to the extreme is problematic. Like mm-hmm. it's true with minimalism or maximalism or mediumism. Yeah. I think minimalism is it was a way for me to find balance, like true balance in my life. Yeah, me too. And, and yeah, I'm thinking right now, Ryan. So we've done what 66 podcast episodes now, and well, technically it's like 65 and four fifths. <laughs> we're saying the same thing. This is a math podcast. We're we. saying the same thing. You're just saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, so uh, we've done uh, 65.6 <laughs> um, episodes. It, well, if we're going with four fifths, it'd be 65.8. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, we, uh, <laughs> we've lost all of our listeners at this point. Anyway. Um, so, so, uh, we've done this many episodes and I found that when we first started, I would have pages and pages and pages and pages of notes. I want to communicate all this, 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 and this. And those notes were helpful to a certain extent, but they also got in the way. I had too many notes. I had an excess of notes and it actually made me stumble and also stressed me out, Ryan, because I would be like, oh, I didn't cover that. Oh, I forgot to cover that thing. Oh, what about page seven of my notes? I didn't even get to the fourth thing on the 12 item list on page seven. And it would stress me out. But then a few weeks ago when we did the jobs podcast, I I did an experiment with no notes at all. And I didn't prepare by listening to the voicemails beforehand. And that was another, that was the other side of the extreme where a lot of people found value in that. And I was happy to get the, the positive comments, but I didn't feel outstanding about that podcast. I felt good about testing it out. But now I have, look at my notes here. There's like maybe six things um, per, per caller, if that. Actually, there's four things for this caller uh, that we had uh, most recently. And I'm able to expand on those few bullet points I have. And so extreme notes, too much. No notes, not enough. Mm. Minimalism is the same thing with my stuff. It was a way for me to find balance in my life. And so, yeah, don't take it to the extreme. Find, find that middle ground. Hopefully minimalism helps you. Dr. Ash. Pastel wants to know, how do you deal with relatives who freak out when they see a bunch of bags of stuff you're getting rid of? Well, there's a few things I could have said here. I could have said judgment is but a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. (laughs) But I chose to say there's a fine line between panic and excitement. You think about that for a second. If your heart is racing, you uh, start to get sweat on your palms and your forehead and you start to feel jittery, maybe you're not panicked. Maybe you're not freaking out. Maybe they're just excited for you and they don't know how to they don't know how to relay that other than freaking out. They don't know how to show that excitement. So maybe you can just show them the benefits and show them that there's reason to be excited for you. I just said the ones that truly love you will support you no matter what. Yeah. So if you're not getting support from someone then uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what to say, except you could, I feel very comfortable turning my back on people who refuse to support me. 
Yeah, and, and, and maybe that conversation is as simple as, hey, would you be willing to support me through this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you want to try and like fix the fix that relationship first. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like, you know, when we called ourselves the minimalists, I mean, we really found out who our true friends were. Indeed. And uh, it sucked at the time, but like I'm really grateful for it now, and it has helped me now like where I'll have someone send me an email and like I think they're actually trying to have a discussion, but they just want to try and prove me wrong and you know, whatever. It's like, okay, this isn't supportive. This is just you trying to project. And now I'm ending this conversation. Sure. Kathy, she wants to know what do I do with all these family memory items? Well, let's, uh, let's talk about that. My short answer for you. My tweetable answer for you is our memories are not in our things. Our memories are inside us. Man, that is really good. I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> I just said it a few minutes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. I, no, I think that's perfectly apt here. Um, I, I have a very uh, pithy maxim here, too. It may be even a little bit, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. What do you, what do you call like a, a truism, a truism? Yeah, man, I'm really building this up wrong, but here's my, here's my answer for you, Kathy. You'll find way more value in a few sentimental items versus a hoard of grandma's knickers. (laughs) Man, that is perfect. All right, let's, uh, let's move on uh, to our added value portion of the show. This is where Ryan and I each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, what has added value to your life recently? Um, I went snowboarding on Sunday and like I've gotten so much better at snowboarding since I've moved out here. So like now, I mean, I can hit like some stuff that I like some double black diamonds that I just wouldn't even touch before. There's still some really like one of the steepest, not even one of the steepest, the steepest, uh, hillside in the country is in Phillipsburg. Oh really? Yeah. So they have this, like, I mean, you look at it and it almost looks like, the hill like like you're not going straight down like you're actually going the like into the hill oh my that, goodness. like your job it's nuts like i wouldn't i wouldn't touch that so there are still you don't some, go down that one no there are a couple of things that, like i still wouldn't do i mean i guess i could it just wouldn't be fun it would just be like really fast mm-hmm. and it's really narrow and really uh, dangerous yeah really dangerous but anyway so like i, I need I, you to Go on tour with me, please. <laughs> Don't kill yourself before tour. So um, last Sunday, I was just trying some like pretty aggressive stuff that I normally wouldn't do. Yeah. And like totally hit a tree. Uh-huh. You should see this bruise on my leg, dude. It's so bad. But I had a helmet. Oh. And I was so grateful for this helmet. Yeah. Because like I just like, I mean, I think I sat there for like, you know, a minute or two, like debating whether or not I broke my femur. Mm. <laughs> you should see this bruise, man. I'll show it to you after the podcast. All right. But uh, it's it's convenient because you're not wearing pants right now. <laughs> and yeah, I was just thinking like, you know what? I need to wreck up because there's so many people out there like, you know, um, I don't see this so much with the guys that ride the crotch rockets, mo- uh, motorcycles, mm-hmm. but like the guys who got the Harleys, you know, like helmets are for wussies. <laughs> I don't wear no helmet on my, when I ride my Harley. Freedom. <laughs> yeah, man. Like wear a helmet dork like (laughs) (laughs) you're a dork if you don't wear a helmet and it's funny because i grew up for so long thinking that wearing a helmet like when i skateboarded never wore a helmet when i skated yeah like all it's uncool right exactly but think about it for a second you the 
I remember when I was a kid and I saw like the 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 guys in like the crotch rockets. They always had helmets on. They knew they needed helmets, right? Yeah. But I always thought they were so cool because they're like an all black with the really cool mirrored helmet, which obviously looks silly to me now. But like as kid, isn't it weird how we think some things are so cool looking as kids, and then yeah, all of a sudden they're not th- cool. there's some threshold that we reach where we're like helmet that's not cool. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just here to. This is your PSA announcement. Helmets are cool, kids. You found value in helmets. Is there a particular helmet that you're recommending? No, but I would recommend get something, like if you ride a bike, get something you could do both in. So, like I have a, it's a what bike helmet. What do you mean helmet. do both? Do both of what? Like it's a bike helmet, uh-huh. but I can still use it as a snowboarding helmet. Oh, There okay. are differences like venting, like because, you know, um, I think most snowboard helmets have no vents in it because it's cold out and you don't want air going through. Oh, vent. I thought you meant, because a lot of time when you call me up and you're venting, I imagine <laughs> maybe you're wearing your helmet when you're... <laughs> You call me and you're just venting. Sometimes I do. <laughs> you put your head through a wall much easier that way. Um, but yeah, it's like, so it has like these air vents in it, but I get hot when I snowboard. So I actually welcome the vents in, okay. the, in it. But yeah, I would say like, uh, yeah, just get a helmet that you can, you know, use for multiple purposes. Like I don't have a bike, like I mountain bike, like really aggressive mountain bike, downhill stuff. Um, I wear the same helmet for that, that I, I do snowboarding. Now I can barely ride a bike. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about our Hawaii trip, but we got to wrap this up. Yeah, soon, I, I don't, I don't, I don't snowboard uh, or anything. So have, me having a helmet might be a little silly, right? So a helmet. I don't know, Josh. I life. don't know, man. Although, I mean, with all the crazy, you know, government laws that are they're being mandated, we're being forced to wear seat belts now. I, I'm not going to be surprised. I was going to. There's going to be someone who who uh, there's going to be some law in some town or state where all of a sudden you're required to wear a helmet while you're driving as well. I actually think it's silly that it's not required <laughs> because at the end of the day, like, yeah, I mean, it, helmets, I bet you there, there could be a study done that shows like if this many people, you know, if everyone wore helmets, we could save this percentage sure. of people. Like, right. And th- th- there's no doubt it's, it's much safer to wear a helmet in a car. The problem is then, then you have helmet it, head. It, if you say that, <laughs> then you're being a hypocrite. Cause I've never seen you wear a, a helmet in the car. <laughs> no, no, no. And, I, and it's weird. I want, I, I don't want the government in my wallet, in my bedroom and certainly not in my car either. <laughs> and so I, I would prefer if I wasn't forced to wear a, a helmet uh, no, while no. I was I'm driving. Just, I'm just surprised that that law hasn't been passed yet. I'm not saying that we should, uh-huh. But you're saying that we, we should. should. <laughs> you're not saying that we should because you're not doing it yourself. No, I know. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. And I think if you want to wear a helmet while you're driving, it's great. And if someone judges you for it, then they're being judgy. It's silly. Uh, all right. Uh, things that I have four recommendations. I have eight, but I'll save the other four for later. Um, uh, three of them are not things. One is a thing. Actually, I'm going to hold off on the thing. We're not going to recommend any, any, I'm not going to recommend any things because I think the thing that I want to recommend is a thing that you will probably want to recommend on a future episode. And we talked about it on our, our Facebook thing yesterday. So I'm going to recommend three things. One, uh, th- three things that aren't things at all. Uh, a movie, Get Out. Jordan Peele uh, uh, directed this. They call it a horror film. It's more of like a, a social thriller and it is an important movie. It is a masterpiece. It is the best movie I have seen probably in years. Uh, it's called Get Out. It's not really a horror film, but they bill it as one. And it is a great commentary on on race in the United States, um, on cultural norms, on fitting in with different groups of people. But then also they're all like all of, I don't want I can't ruin it by by going any deeper than that. 
all I can tell you is get out and see the movie Get Out while it is still in theaters. It is a phenomenal movie. You will you will thank me, and you can thank me on Twitter. Uh, an album I was just listening to this morning. Uh, there's a guy, a hip-hop slash R&B artist named L.A., but he's sp- his name's spelled E-L-H-A-E. Now, his name's L.A. He's from North Dakota, but he lives in Atlanta. And the album is called All Have Fallen. You know, you know, you know Drake. We're, we're big fr- uh, Drake fans here. Um, but he, uh, he, he has this one line. He says, these days, every song sounds like Drake feature and Drake. Oh yeah. This sounds like Drake, but it sounds almost like an homage to Drake. It's so well done. It doesn't sound like he's copying Drake. It almost sounds like, wow, that's a style of music. And I'm paying homage to, to someone who's created something really well. So LA's album all have fallen. And last, um, I was cracking up uh, this past weekend listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, episode 925 with Theo Vaughn. Mm, He's I'm, I'm on 9-11 right now, the one with Alex, <laughs> Alex Jones. Jones. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's... Uh, Dude, uh, it's like... It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's funny because it's... Alex Jones I didn't realize they were like... Sad, sad Yeah. Person. But anyway, um, Theo Vaughn, hilarious. I haven't seen his stand-up special yet, but I'm going to pretty soon. Uh, I think it's on Netflix, but um, yeah, he he was just so funny, and he has like this this unique sense of humor where he'll say something. It's it honestly, it's not that unique because it reminds me of your sense of humor sometimes when we're off mic, and I'm like, is he joking? Is he serious? <laughs> what is going on right now? And he has all these little, and but he's a master of it, and so mm-hmm. I, I would check out that episode. All right, Ryan, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we get to talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. A bunch of really cool stuff going on right now. There's a web series called Making Minimalism. So did you like our documentary, maybe even the bonus footage that's out there right now? Well, our good friend Matt Diavella, the director of Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, is uh, making this web series. It's a free web series called Making Minimalism. He'll take you behind the scenes, show you how we, we shot the thing, what equipment he used, but also how we got interviews and everything we did to spend three years making that documentary. Does he have an episode up yet or just the preview? He, he has the trailer up, but by the time this airs, he may have the first episode up there as well. But you He can, does such a good... The trailer even is like amazing. It's gorgeous, right? It really is. Yeah, so you can go to mattdiavella.com slash minimalism. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, it's M-A-T-T-D-A-V-E-L-L-A dot com slash minimalism. And that whole series is going to be available on his on his uh, YouTube channel, which you'll be able to to get to from that website. All right, we're also doing Mondays with the Minimalists. I think it's like five or six weeks long. Uh, from March 6th until April 10th, that's through April 10th, every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, you can show up, you can ask us our questions. Yesterday's was really fun. Uh, we're doing this on Facebook Live and on Instagram Live. Instagram Live is extremely ephemeral that's uh, i don't need a qualifier for that it's ephemeral is just ephemeral uh it goes away that there's no video saved uh but then i kind of dig that man like i do too maybe like well, i think while we're on tour i'm gonna do a whole lot more facebook live or i'm sorry instagram live because it just goes away when, when you're done yeah yeah and I, what i like about about both platforms the facebook one the video stays up for at least 24 hours we can let it stay up longer if we want uh, but yesterday ryan and i just drove around missoula and uh, we, Sean held the camera or the phone, right? Camera, the phone, camera phone. Um, I, and think, I think either of those 
or right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, and neither are really right. 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 <laughs> but uh, he held the 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 camera phone for us, and uh, we just drove around. Uh, we were actually driving to the park from our office, and we answered questions from from our audience. We're doing that every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Mondays with the minimalists on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. All the details to that are at theminimalists.com/mondays. Also, later this month, I'm teaching a one-day workshop called How to Write Better. So I teach a four-week class as well, but uh, once a quarter, maybe three times a year, I will do a, a one-day, two-hour workshop, which is often goes much longer than that. Sometimes it'll even be three hours uh, with my good friend, Sean Mahalik. We call Other Sean here at The Minimalists. Uh, he's a very talented novelist, and we, uh, we teach that together. He is a really great sidekick, adjunct professor for me. And you can find all the details to that and sign up if you'd like. The seats are limited, though, uh, at howtowritebetter.org. You can find the details on the one-day workshop and the uh, four-week class as well. And basically, all I want to do is help people learn how to write better, whether that's emails, you know, improving your business emails, or if you want to write a novel, you want to write your first book, you want to improve your blogging skills, or even your text messaging skills. We talk about all of that in my How to Write Better class or if you just want a little one-on-one -on -one time with millie <laughs> well it'd be more yeah. like 500 on one but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if you want a little 500 on one time i uh, know we, we capped the seats before uh, i think it's like 300 people is where we cap the seats and it always sells out but you can you find all the details that how to write better.org and i mentioned this earlier but i like to go into a little bit of details here so the less is now tour starts april 13th 2017 that's the first leg of the tour we're going out in individual waves we're doing three or four cities at a time we are starting in pittsburgh and we've got 19 cities for that first leg of the tour so i'm just going to go through a list of these cities you can find all of this at the minimalists.com tour we're going to go to pittsburgh burlington boston portland that's Portland, Maine. You're saying, which Portland? We're actually going to be in both Portlands. We're going to start in Portland, Maine. Then we go to Missoula, Spokane, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, Grand Rapids, Chicago, Madison, Minneapolis, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland. And then we have the second leg. You can find all of the potential cities. Uh, so, so we're working really hard to coordinate 28 other cities. Those cities can obviously change depending on venue availability and Ryan's availability, my availability. But we're working hard to schedule some cities in Canada. So I think we have something like eight or nine cities in Canada, uh, all the East Coast and down south and the mountain areas as well. And then I know what you're saying. What about overseas? What about Australia or Europe or Asia or South America or Africa? Yeah, if all goes well with the North American tour, we'd love to take our message to your continent, to your country. Uh, details coming soon. The best way to find out is to subscribe to our email newsletter over at theminimalists.com slash tour. That way you'll be the first to know about tickets and you'll have access to the best seats in the house before they go on sale to the general public. So tickets just started going on sale uh, to the general public for this tour. And we just did a whole podcast. I'm saying this now because we actually haven't recorded it yet. But... Uh, in your feed right now, there's a whole podcast about uh, um, the tour, and uh, we'll be talking about the tour. So you can go back into your feed, episode 65. We talk about our travel routines and, and being on the road and some of the lessons we've learned over the years from touring and traveling in general. But we really hope to see you on the road. We're going to do a live talk about minimalism, a brand new presentation, work in some old materials, some new materials, and of course... We're going to answer your questions. We're going to do a live version of the Minimalist podcast. 
And uh, we hope you bring a friend, family member, an enemy, a coworker, anyone that you can drag along with you. We'd love to see you on the road. Dish out some free hugs that you can transfer over to other people. Let me see what else I got here, Ryan. Do I have Do I have anything else? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I alluded to this. But you can check us out on Instagram. Uh, I'm doing. I'm taking old content right now, old essays, reworking them for the Instagram format. Uh, doing one at every single day for this month, and uh, I've been having a lot of fun with that. Just reshaping some old essays, some old ideas, injecting some new ideas, some beautiful photography at the Minimalists on Instagram. And last but not least, advertisements suck, but you can support our podcast if you'd like to donate. You can just go to theminimalists.com/donate. Uh, you can donate one time or monthly if you can afford it. Or, of course, you can just review our podcast on iTunes. We yeah. greatly appreciate that as well. Yeah, if you left us a review earlier, that's that's contribution enough. Amen. Thank you so much. Ryan, you got anything else? Oh, man, you're going to love this. I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Let's do it. This is Andrea from near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have two tips regarding clothing. I have a well-worn and favorite pea coat. It has no pockets due to me putting my keys in them, and it's repair. It's shredded the lining. So instead of throwing it away, I'm going to a seamstress to have it repaired. Um, also having a strap on my messenger bag repaired. And maybe I could replace these objects with the money that I'll spend on these repairs, but I'd much rather not have these items go to the landfill or go through the decision fatigue to replace them. Also, one more tip is for the adventurous types. REI stores have a garage sale once a month on Saturdays where they sell gently used and not so gently used items at a significant discount. Some items may have a broken zipper or someone returned shoes after wearing them because they didn't like the color or the fit. Um, Their website should have it listed for your area under events, and this would be a very good chance to to scope out those um, Patagonia items or maybe some of the other retailers um, that you mentioned on the clothing episode. My name is Kevin from San Jose, California. I would like to share a story for the many listeners who have asked how to convince a loved one to experiment with minimalism. I came across your podcast quite by accident. I'm going through what I call a third life crisis at 34 years old. I'm currently unemployed, and by default, I have quite a bit of free time. I randomly decided to start listening to podcasts. I searched through the default podcast app on the iOS software and came across the the minimalist podcast. What is a minimalist, I asked. I downloaded a few episodes and quickly found that I agree with your ideology. I was so excited that I had, to, I had to tell my wife. While cooking dinner that evening, I said, Mo, I came across this awesome podcast about these guys who quit their corporate jobs and moved to Missoula, Montana. She cut me off and said, I'm not quitting my job, nor am I moving to Montana. I stood there dumbfounded. My only response was, I would never ask you to do that. I didn't mention minimalism again. I just started going through my stuff, deciding what added value, and getting rid of what did not. A couple of days later, there's a large pile of stuff in the garage. I asked my wife, what's at the pile? She said, I went through my closet and drawers. I didn't need any of this stuff. My wife, who completely poo-pooed on my excitement for intentional living, had started cleaning out her closet. I didn't even ask her to. She even started listening to the podcast. Although we are by no means minimalists, we are now striving to lead a more intentional life. This just goes to show, don't force your views on your loved ones, but lead by example. You may be pleasantly surprised by the outcome. 
My name is Mary. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. I wanted to share a tip that I have um, that goes along with what y'all were talking about with shopping your closet and downsizing. Um, specifically for women, um, I keep an outbox. Um, it's literally just like a fabric bin next to my closet. And at the end of the day, I just toss in any clothes that just bothered me during the day right in my outbox. So they don't go back into my closet. They just go right into this box. Um, these might be clothes that restrict my movement or don't fit right or I'm just tired of. So um, every time I wear something, I'm paying attention to what I, how I feel when I wear it and if I really want to keep it. So the outbox, I go through later once I've amassed like a full box and I donate or I sell or I give to a friend. I love selling clothes on an app called Poshmark. Um, they sell men's clothes too. Um, it's like a consignment shop that you run on your own and it's fantastic. Um, or I just think about it and I might put it back in my closet later, but, um, it really helps, um, just to have an outbox. I don't have to make that decision. Speaking of making choices, I don't have to make that decision right then. I can decide on it later. So the outbox is a wonderful tool that I use constantly for sorting out because it's kind of just an ongoing constant process, at least for me. And I think for a lot of other women too, who really love clothes. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839, or you can record a voice memo, send it to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so take your eyes away, or take.